Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 42, and we are looking at a series called Joseph's Journey, really his journey of faith wrapped in grace. And uh, that's what his story is all about. Kind of use that coat of many colors to talk about the multifaceted uh, uh, nature of God's grace. And we're going to continue tonight as we move into chapter 42. So if you have your Bible, hold a place in Genesis 42 and go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. So tonight, uh, in the, the category of this particular section that we're tackling, which is all about the life of Joseph, we're going to look at a message I've entitled Joseph's Test. Joseph's Test. And it's going to be about a test that he gives his brothers, but it's a test also of himself. It's going to go both ways. And ultimately, you could see an overarching test that's going to be from God for all of them. James chapter 1, look at verse 2. James 1, 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, James 1, 2, when you encounter various trials. And all God's people said, what? <laughs> Let's read that again. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing, this is what you can know, that the testing of your faith produces, what does it produce? It produces patience, or some versions say endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. When we enter into tests in the Christian life, and certainly God does test us, there is a fruit from testing, and the fruit is endurance or patience. Uh, I've never been uh, in a situation in life where I've really been uh, stretched uh, and uh, gained a lot by it not being hard. Uh, I do some workout videos, and the trainer in that workout video say, says they call it a workout for a reason. It's not supposed to be easy. If you're expecting, you know, your faith journey to be easy, good luck, but it's not going to be. In fact, the, the times in your life where you're going to be stretched the most and be stronger are going to be times of testing. It doesn't mean they're going to be easy. If any of you have tried to diet or exercise and other, uh, you know, uh, facets of your life, you know that it can be quite a challenge to just try to move forward in your life when you, when you have a big hill to climb. Joseph's been on this journey of faith and he's been dealing with 13 years of uh, slavery and imprisonment and now um, his dark odyssey is gonna come before us with once again a glimmer of light. Did I pray yet? I didn't pray? Okay, let's pray. Father God, I just wanna lift up this time to you right now on God's word. In your holy word, it's inspired by you, Lord, and it's profitable. How we need a word from you tonight, Lord. So may you speak and may your servants have ears to hear what you'd say to your people, to your church. We just want to say we love you. Thank you for loving us first, Lord. Thank you for molding us and shaping us into the image of your glorious son. We know we are just simply jars of clay, but 
we, in some mysterious way, get to hold this glory within us. And we thank you that this is only really a down payment of what is ahead of us. So help us to have that faith that we need in Jesus' name. Amen. And my son got me a table. Thank you, son. I appreciate it. Okay. So Genesis 42 is where we're going to be. And so all of a sudden, this Jew is number two in Egypt. Can you believe it? He has gone from the the prison to the palace. And it's all been God weaving together this majestic tapestry that only God can weave together. God's light has been shining, but Joseph has been through a lot of stuff. And when we looked at the end of Genesis uh, 41 last time, there were two children that Joseph had, and he was now, you know, number two in all of Egypt, and he was given the signet ring of the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh said, nothing's going to happen unless you approve it, uh, you know, you're number two, and, and so he's got all these, this, this incredible stuff that's come his way, and he has two children by a wife that's given to him by the Pharaoh, and the children are given Hebrew names, which reminds us that Joseph knows who his God is, and he's going to stay faithful to that God because that God has been faithful to him. And one of his children, his, the name means God has made me forget. And we talked about how sometimes, you know, we have a past and we might have a lot of struggles in our past, and God has caused me to forget. And then the other child's name was God has made me fruitful. But we can say this, that even with that past behind him, and now his mind has to be constantly blown by what God has done, the majesty of God's ways. 13 years isn't that long, is it? And we can replay you know, things that have happened to us 20, 30 years ago for those of us who have hit some of those marks in life, and we can replay situations. And I wonder how many times he went back to this scene when his brothers had thrown him into the pit. We're going to learn that he was pleading for his life. He was pleading with his brothers, and they still sold him into slavery. They first wanted to kill him, and then eventually they sold him into slavery. And so Joseph is going to have this incredible moment where his brothers appear before him, and God is going to move the family now because of a famine to Joseph, and Joseph is the ruler. You could call him the second highest ruler in all the world. And this is going to be a reunion. His brothers are going to be before him, the brothers that betrayed him, the brothers that sold him into slavery. And it's going to be kind of a reunion, but it's a one-way knowledge when it first happens. He knows it's them, but they don't know it's him. And if you had, you remember that uh, program, I don't know if it's still around, but the program was called What Would You Do? And, and And the premise of the program was if you were put in a certain situation, if someone was trying to steal a bike or you know, making fun of a person or whatever it may be, what would you do? And they, they capture people in these real life situations and they see how they would react to a given set of circumstances. What would you do if your brothers appeared before you and you're the second highest ruler in all of Egypt and you can do whatever you want to them? They come and bow before you. Do you think that Joseph had some thoughts about a future fulfillment of his dream. He had dreamed that not only, you know, some of his brothers, but they all would bow before him, including his mom and dad. And so do you think he may have had some visions of, 
you know, a future meeting that might take place and how he might handled it, handle it. You know, these brothers, uh, for 13 years, we don't, we don't really hear a whole lot about what's gone on in their conscience, but we know that they're not all great characters. There's been a lot of ugly stuff in the book of Genesis. And now they're going to come before Joseph, and it's going to be a hard meeting. And one writer says they needed an awakening of conscience. They needed to mourn. They needed to genuinely repent. The brothers desperately needed God's grace, though they did not fully know it. They're going to come before Joseph, and this meeting, as hard as it's going to be on Joseph, and ultimately when they find out on them, is going to be healing. Paul says something that's interesting in 2 Corinthians 7. If you want to take a peek over there, it's valuable to look at this. 2 Corinthians 7. He's been dealing with this Corinthian church, and uh, there's been a whole set of problems, including them personally attacking Paul. At least some of the leadership had attacked Paul. They were questioning his apostleship. Some of them seemed to be making fun of his uh, speaking ability, even his looks. And in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8, Paul writes these words. He says, Though I caused you sorrow by my letter, 2 Corinthians 7, 8, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, we've all been there before. I didn't regret it, but I did. For I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while, 2 Corinthians 7, 9. And now, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God. Sometimes God wants us to be sorrowful. We hear a lot of modern preaching that says, oh, God always wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy. Look, we all appreciate that. But look, there are times when we just need to be sorrowful. You were made sorrowful uh, to the point of repentance. He says, I now rejoice. Uh, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you are made sorrowful according to the will of God in order that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. I was thinking of the famine when I thought of that, those words, suffer loss, or saw those words. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Our new lives in Christ give us opportunities to make things right, to handle things differently than we did before we became Christians, and to even make amends. Go back to Genesis chapter 42. The brothers, in their particular journey, as it, as it crosses with Joseph's, are going to have an opportunity. An opportunity is going to be placed before them, but the opportunity will be filled with pain. Some of us have pain in our past, and we have some things that may still be lingering out there, they may still be unresolved, and we might wonder, well, when is this ever going to be resolved? When will I have a chance maybe to reconcile with this person? Romans 12 says, as much as it depends upon us, we're to live, what, at peace with all people, but sometimes it's not possible, or sometimes it takes time. For Joseph, it was 13 years. For his brothers, it was 13 years. They both needed this moment, and this moment would bring healing. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. 
I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now back to the teaching. Sometimes the world doesn't want to hear about guilt and sin because they think if you talk about guilt and sin, somehow you're beating everybody up and condemning them. But when you talk about guilt and sin, you're talking about the reality of all of humanity. Amen? We're all guilty. The law has made us guilty before God. The book of Romans says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. This Greek word under Paul uses earlier to convey the idea of being under the law like it's a weight or a stone that's killing us, like we're suffocating under the law, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable or guilty before God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. In gospel preaching, We have to tell people the bad news before we can tell them the good news, amen? Now, we might have a little different approach when we're preaching the gospel. We never water down the gospel, but we might, to different audiences, start at different places, but ultimately, we're gonna get to the fact that humanity has a sin problem. Sin brings death, but we have a free gift, and that free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the world has to be confronted with their guilt. And sometimes when people hear preaching about their guilt, they say, that's wrong, I don't want to hear that. But there's a freedom in hearing the truth because the truth hurts, but it also heals. If these guys never had this moment, just think about this for a second. If there was never a famine and they never went back and there was never this reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers, what would that have done to them the rest of their lives? Some, some of them may have been worse off than others, but I think even that last encounter they had with, G, with uh, Joseph haunted them. And I think that they probably personally replayed it over and over and over again. So this would be a test for Joseph and for his brothers. And, uh, you know, really, they were at his... Uh, under his powder, do whatever he wanted to do. So here's what happens now. This is uh, 4157 in Genesis, and then we'll move into chapter 42. It says, the people of all the earth, Genesis 4157, came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Now, Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? Now, this seems to be, you know, all the guys are sitting around the table like, uh, I don't know, what are we going to do? I don't know. And, you know, I was hearing something on KKLA driving here, and they were sharing some stories from a village, and I didn't catch what the place is, but they interviewed a 14-year-old girl through a translator. And the 14-year-old girl said that um, every night they're hungry, they don't have enough food to eat so they they basically go without dinner every single night and she said we just sit in the house and stare at each other and we we he said she said we can't even speak words to one another and the only thing that i can find to do is cry so can you imagine being in that situation every night 
Sometimes we, we whine if we have to walk to the fridge for water, right? No, I don't want to. You get it. <laughs> well, there's people in the world right now that are going to bed every night hungry. They don't know what to do. The water they drink is, you know, polluted. They have very little to eat. One family that they interviewed, the mother said they're surviving on leaves right now. She feeds her family leaves. She walks three hours in one direction just to get water for her family. And the water is not that great. And she walks three hours in the other direction with a bucket of water on her head because her husband died in the war. Now, I don't know how bad it was for um, these brothers and for dad, but it got bad enough where they're staring at, at each other, maybe wondering, you know, when the end's going to come. And so dad challenges the, the sons. He says, why are you staring at one another? 42.2. He said, behold, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. The famine has hit the whole earth now. Go down there and buy some for us from that place that we may live and not die. Let's do something. So he's going to send the boys off. Because of God's work in Joseph, his interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams, and his subsequent elevation in Egypt, there was now grain enough to save the whole world including the patriarchal family and the messianic line. That's why the Messiah could be born, because Israel was preserved. Israel ends up going down to Egypt because of this famine, and the book of Exodus picks up this story when the Pharaoh arises that knew not Joseph. But the reason that the patriarchal family comes from Canaan to Egypt is to survive. God has used Joseph's story to provide a solution for a coming famine and to protect the line of the Messiah. That's how God's always working on many levels. And the 10 brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. So here they go, and God is fulfilling now the dream that Joseph had, not in its entirety, but it will come to pass. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin. He was the younger brother, the last one born through Rachel. And of course, that was Jacob's true love. And he did not send Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, I'm afraid that harm may befall him. The loss of Joseph still stung dad, Jacob, and he was afraid. He, you know, Benjamin was the last one he had from Rachel. And so he didn't want to release Benjamin. And plus, these guys didn't have a real great track record, right? He had, sold, he had sent Joseph out to them, and, you know, that went very badly. And I'm not sure Dad even really knew at this point everything that happened. And, of course, they had lied to him. So he held back Benjamin and sent the others. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain, verse 5, among those who were coming. You can imagine the people from all kinds of lands were streaming into Egypt because you know, Joseph had not only interpreted Pharaoh's dream, but he had told the Pharaoh what to do. Save in the, the seven years of plenty, store up enough grain, and then you'll be okay in the years of famine. And so people from probably every tribe, tongue, and nation were coming, flooding into Egypt. They were coming in. The famine was also where we note in the land of Canaan, which will become the land of promise, or is the land of promise, will become the land of Israel. So charged by their brothers, they these the are uh, charged by their father. The brothers make the trek across what's known as the Sinai down into the Nile Valley. And never in their wildest dreams or even their worst dreams could they imagine that they would meet Joseph. One writer says if Joseph was alive, he would be an obscure slave in some household or business or uh 
uh, you know, somewhere else. They were themselves awash in a sea of desperate, hungry foreigners flooding into Egypt. And uh, as they were approaching Egypt, they never could have imagined. In fact, there's implications from the language here that they believe that maybe he's already dead. They're going to say to, the, to uh, what they believe is the second highest ruler he is, but they don't know he's Joseph. Uh, one of our brothers is no more. So here they come. And uh, maybe it was easy for them, easier for them to think he was dead. Now, Joseph was the ruler over the land, verse 6, and he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So now this not so much chance meeting, but God meeting takes place. Can you imagine maybe the gasp that happened within Joseph's heart as he looked? It wasn't hard for him to recognize his brothers. After all, there were 10 Hebrew guys. They were all brothers, so they were probably similar, you know, there were similar looks, and they all had beards, right? And they're all together, and so Joseph had to gasp internally and, and be going, wow, here they are. Now, why did they not recognize Joseph? Well, Joseph was older, he went from 17 to now 30. He was clean-shaven. He was dressed in uh, royalty. In fact, we saw in the last chapter how the Pharaoh had dressed him in white linen, expensive linen. He had given him his uh, signet ring. He had given him a gold necklace. In all likelihood, Joseph looked like the Pharaoh. So if you have ever seen a picture of what a pharaoh looked like or what his dress looked like, that's probably what Joseph looked like because he was basically the viceroy of this nation. And he had been given uh, these things by pharaoh, even his signet ring, which spoke of authority, but Joseph looked like an Egyptian ruler. And with all these factors, the brothers don't know that it's him. And so here they come, and they are bowing before him, and immediately Joseph had to be thinking back to his dream. Remember that dream? I've had a dream. You guys are going to end up bowing before me. And here they were. Now, it would be very tempting at this point, remember with the idea of what would you do, to say, aha! <laughs> I told you, losers. <laughs> Just go ahead and stay down there and eat some dirt. I'm Joseph. <laughs> Mask comes off. But Joseph is going to hold back. He's going to play it cool. In fact, he's going to put these brothers through the paces. He's going to test them. And I think he's also going to be tested. You know, when we're in a situation where somebody ends up coming before us and we've been proven right, Sometimes, when we're not always thinking very spiritual, we want to do something like this. I told you. Didn't I tell you that I told you? Right? And we might be thinking, you know, revenge is a dish best served cold and Egyptian. Right? Here they are. 
these brothers and think of how many nights he had where he replayed that moment where they sold him into slavery some of them wanted him dead who who knows if they he could be thinking i wonder if they ever even thought about me again i wonder if they ever thought about my sleepless nights and the rats i dealt with and the you know the just the circumstances that they put me in man there would be so much that you'd want to say Maybe you just want to send a few guards in to slap them around a couple of times, right? <laughs> but Joseph has his brothers bowing before him, though they don't recognize him. There's a, there's a little play here, I think, in, in a prophetic picture that I don't want to push too far, but we know that Jesus Christ, when he came to his own, his own did not recognize him. There's some prophecies like in the book of Zechariah that say that there will be a time when their eyes will be open, the scales will fall, and they will mourn for Christ. They will recognize him as their Messiah. But right now, largely, there's a, a blindness that's happened to Israel. Romans 11 talks about that. And for them to bow before an Egyptian leader was probably not their favorite thing to do. In fact, in the book of Esther, remember Mordecai does not want to bow before Haman we think that Haman actually is, his name is actually Haman. It's from the 70s, right? Anyway, amen. This is Pastor Michael Lance sitting here with Oscar Santa Cruz, producer of Living Truth Radio. Oscar, we just are going through uh, Genesis 42 on the air here. And, you know, another amazing chapter about Joseph, who is really a type of Christ in many ways. His brothers come and all of this is the hand of God. And ultimately God is providential over this because he's preserving the line to the Messiah. This uh, uh, family of Israel, of Jacob, who becomes Israel, is going to be the line to the Savior of the world. And Joseph, I, I'm sure, couldn't have seen his role in all of that. But he's been in prison. Finally, he's out. Uh, his brothers are forced to come now to Egypt because of the famine that's been predicted through Pharaoh's dream. And now the brothers come before him and he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And it almost makes me think of that TV show, What Would You Do? <laughs> and, you know, you're put in a scenario where, you know, you, you kind of have the power to decide something. And here's uh, Joseph. He's number two in Egypt now. He's got all this power. His brothers who did all this wrong to him are now before him. Man, there had to be a lot of temptations to really dish it out to these guys. Maybe put them in prison for a decade. Oh, of course. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, would that be hard for you? Well, if you consider the time that Joseph had been away from his brothers, even thinking about what they've done to him, God perhaps even used this time to shave off whatever bitterness and hurt he may have had to go to the extreme against his brothers. Mm -hmm. So he probably just utilized this time to satisfy himself by throwing them into jail for three days. Yeah. He could have, like you said, easily have gone through the extreme and said, off with their heads, you're in jail for this many times, or we're going to um, extend some kind of punishment towards you for whatever offenses you uh, can think of to come up. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona 
or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.